Welcome to EMG Transformations with Dan Stoll. Each episode will empower you to ignite your inner fire and provide methods to maximize your mental and physical performance. You never know how one valuable insight can make such a big impact. Please leave a five-star review if this episode leaves a positive impact on you. And don't be shy to screenshot and share episodes on social media that you find helpful so we can spread the message and make the world a better place. You never know who may need to hear and the impact it has on them too. We're only scratching the surface. There's so much more to learn. Subscribe and stick around to manage stress, improve your health, and create lasting lifestyle changes. Buckle up and get ready to spark your transformation with Nova Fusion. Welcome to today's episode of EMG Transformations. I'm excited to introduce my friend, Isabel Vianu. Isabel is a champion of change. Although parts of her story are unwelcomed, those dark times took her on a transformational journey into the light where she shines today. From domestic, sexual, and mental abuse, to middle school bullying, to a life-changing car accident, and parenting six children, she has been through her tough share of experiences and now is a leader that firmly stands on her two feet. With over 20 years of business experience, she is now the founder of ILV Consulting, which focuses on transforming change together. You are in for a treat to become inspired and spark your transformation today. Isabel, thank you for taking time to come on the show. Well, thank you, Dan. And that's such a wonderful introduction. And you got the last name perfectly. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Learning my French over here. (laughs) There you go. I'm super excited to be here. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, we just connected on LinkedIn through a uh, kind of like a surprise little group group chat call. And uh, I'm glad that I showed up on that because it led to this and led to the friendship that we're continuing to build. And I'm just so excited for what you got going on and, you know, what you're continuing to do. So super glad that we're having this conversation today. Likewise, sometimes, you know, you don't necessarily understand the places you show up at, but you're curious about it. So you're like, you know, screw it. I'm going to go, even though I don't necessarily know where this is going to land. So it's uh, likewise, I'm I'm super happy that we, we got to meet each other in a spot where we didn't intend to meet each other, but it became something bigger. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. And, you know, what I learned about you is that you have a deep backstory that you know, I know it's going to impact many lives out there. So to start things off, do you mind sharing a little bit about yourself and your early struggles? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I um, grew up in a small, very French town and community, Beresford, New Brunswick. And, uh, you know, life from a family standpoint was magical, to be honest. Like I had two incredible parents who adopted me when I was a baby. I have a brother who was also adopted four years older than me. 
So you can just imagine having two parents that couldn't conceive kids of their own, how special it is to have two people that really, truly wanted you in their lives. So the first, you know, let's say 12 years of my life was similar to many other kids, right? You're having family trips. We had a cottage close by a couple of hours away that we spent all of our summers at my whole life growing up. Um, I started dancing when I was six years old, uh, competitive dancing until I graduated from high school. My mom was a registered nurse. My dad was a civil engineer. So we grew up in what I would call probably, you know, a very healthy lifestyle. But I was the kind of kid that just didn't want to be stuck in one box. I've always been the person who was curious, who wanted to experience whatever was in front of me, even if it was scary. Like, think about like, you know, those rides at the carnival that flip you upside down, like, People would be like, I'm not going on that for me. It was like, ooh, a thrill. Let's jump off a building. So I was very adventurous. Um, And at the age of 12, I started surrounding myself with kids that were about four years older than me. So 16, 17. Um, And those people, obviously, like many, you know, soon to be young adults, um, start being curious around alcohol, drugs, partying and stuff like that. Right. So Unfortunately, at the age of 12, I started being introduced to a lifestyle that I was definitely not prepared for, but you often want to fit in and that's the cool crowd, right? So let's follow suit. Um, So at the age of 12, I had a fake ID. We went into like literally 19 and up bars. Uh, I was pretty developed for my age. So I could pass for probably at least 18, to be honest, but I was 12. And um, I met my first boyfriend when I was 12 years old, and he was 16 at the time. And the first few months were, you know, sunshine and rainbows, the honeymoon stage, the butterfly in your stomach feeling. And then all of a sudden, it just drastically changed. He became very obsessive, possessive, like he would show up at the end of my school day in middle school, like just to check who I was talking to. And if I was talking with other guys, like he would start drilling me that he didn't like it. And, you know, unless he gives me the okay to do so, like, I should really respect him and not talk to other guys. And you're 12 years old, right? So as an adult today, I'd probably be like, go F yourself. But (laughs) as a 12-year-old little girl, it's like, well, he's the oldest person, so I, I should listen. And I think I was more focused on making him happy versus really understanding like this is wrong. Like I didn't see it that way. So it it quickly turned into you know, the emotional controlling aspect to then choking, to then slapping, to then punching, to then kicking. And, you know, it escalated from there, uh, where pretty much what he wanted, he would get despite how I felt about it. So I spent about a decade on and off, you know, leaving, coming back, leaving, coming back. And I mean, my parents tried for such a long time to 
talk to me and, and prevent me from doing it to then like, you're not seeing him. And I wasn't listening and I wasn't having it either. Right. Um, so I kept taking him back. Right. You hear the, I'm sorry. Like my dad used to do it to my mom. So I don't know any better. And I've always been someone who has a big heart and I've always wanted to help people come out of situations that were, whether dangerous or making them unhappy. So for some reason, I felt that was my accountability to take. Of course, today I know better. But I spent 10 years seeing what you pretty much see in movies, right? Breaking into your apartment, hiding in the closet until you get home, and then you open your closet door and here he is stalking, um, you know? So it was 10 years of very difficult realities. And even around my mid-teenage years, I was so overwhelmed and consumed with keeping this inside because you're ashamed. You don't want to share all the details with your friends and your family because what are they going to think? And when I did start sharing it with the small circle of people I trusted, at first they were supportive, but then they became judgy. Well, why are you taking him back? He's treating you like shit and blah, blah, blah. And I couldn't explain it, but it was still bringing me there, right? So I became so overwhelmed that I just took bottles of pills and decided that's it, I'm done. And I woke up in the hospital and they were shoving charcoal and all kinds of stuff. And I stayed in the um, children's psychiatric unit for quite a while um, and even then he broke into the hospital and made its way to my room, right? So just to kind of show you the consistent, um, the consistent push on his end yeah. was also extremely difficult to try and, and, and separate myself and, and really reflect and think about what in the hell is going on? Because I, you know, you're so young, you just you don't understand that, right? Like you, you can't comprehend this. And even his father would tell me, well, be a good girl and listen, and you won't get hit. So when you have an adult who is also, yeah, he's not my dad, not my parents, but when you're young, you think your parents are crazy. They don't know what they're talking about. They don't know what I'm living. Right. So when you hear it from another adult, it's like, well, I must be the problem. Right. So it's uh it definitely has been a roller coaster ride and it carried its way into my let's say mid 20s ish um and it really um stopped when my firstborn came to life there was just this switch in me where i'm like i'm i'm responsible for this little guy like he's he's you know he's going to look up to me to make decisions, to know, to get approval, to steer his life when he grows up, right? Like, I can't be messed up like this, like this is wrong. So that's kind of where my my recovery journey, especially mentally, um, started picking up. Yeah, well, first off, thank you so much for being vulnerable and opening up about those experiences, because no, it's not easy. And for people out there in a similar situation, you know, they're probably suffering in silence, they feel that judgment the same way. And, you know, they may not know how to get out of it. And, 
to clarify, it sounded like you stayed for longer than you probably should have because you almost felt like this responsibility that you had to help him. Is that correct? It is. Yeah. And he would tell me that I need you, right? I need you to get better. Like he was, he was a master manipulator. He was really, really good at manipulating right and look you do make a difference we had five months where nothing happened right so you are helping me and all this time he's cheating on me he's you know what I mean like he was just a complete a-hole but back then you don't see that right like and I don't think you want to see it to a certain extent like I'm not sitting there at the age of 15 16 17 and so on saying, I don't want to see reality, but you're also so focused on this person needs me. But the thing is, is it's the wrong person to help. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like it's one thing to help someone who wants to help themselves, but this guy did not want to help himself, right? He was just playing the game. He was getting his way. And when he knew he was starting to lose control, he was, I was starting to finally you know, become myself and and started getting a bit more grounded on like, wait a second, like, this is not, this is not right. And when I was younger, like in my teenage years, that it was easier for him to, to manipulate me because I, I didn't know any better. I really didn't. But when I started hitting my early twenties, and then of course, like your body changes, you mature, like biologically, there's all kinds of things that happens, Right. And then all of a sudden you lose friends and I don't blame them. Like what friend wants to stick around and continue for years on end to see someone they love make these choices. Right. So I like today it's, it's fine. But back then, like putting myself in their shoes, I would have done the same thing. I don't want to enable you to continue this toxic way of living. There comes a point where you need to wake up. Right. And and that point for me, um, was pretty much around the age of 26. Mind you, I was around 23 when I said that's it. But 26, three years later, was just like an extra, you know, boost to say like no more. Like yeah. I, I always tell my son, like you have no idea how you saved me. You, you did. Like you, you didn't do it intentionally, but you did. Right. And and it even, you know, put a strain on my relationship with my son's father because he was still showing up like at bars. He would stalk me at the upper level of the bar. And my boyfriend at the time was working, you know, and they had headsets, uh, the bouncers. They had headsets to make sure that, you know, everybody's aware of what's going on. And one of his buddies was like, uh, is it me or there's like this creep upstairs that just constantly is looking at your girlfriend and her friends. So he came in and poked me and was like, do you know this guy? And I looked up and I was like, I almost like just froze right there. I don't know how he knew I was there. And that's the type of creepiness I'm talking about. Like I would be out, haven't heard from him in two years. Right. And then all of a sudden you look up and he's there and he just has this like, you know, this angry look. 
And at the end of the night, they, the crowd left and me and my friend stayed because we would have a few drinks with the staff. We were talking and he sneaked from the back door, came upstairs, tapped me on the shoulder and was like, you're coming with me. We need to talk. And I said, screw you. I'm not going anywhere with you. And when he grabbed my arm, well, that's when there was about like 18 guys in the bar, like they dragged him out, beat the shit out of him. And that was it. So you know, it, it it felt good, although it's not necessarily what I would promote. But at the same time, I'm like, I can't do it. So I mean, you know, there was a bit of satisfaction there. But just yeah. to kind of paint the picture, right? So it's, um, you know, I still shut my blinds at night. I still triple check that my doors are locked. And I have two cane corsos. I have a husband that would literally rip him apart. But I think it's just, you know, I've done a lot of work on myself to kind of bring down those firefighting, um, you know, feelings. Yeah. But sometimes it's hard to kick him to the curb completely. So for me, I kind of aim on, am I seeing progress? Am I feeling better? Yes. Well, then I'm on the right path. Yeah. Yeah. And just to clarify, when did you have your first kid? Was that at 23 or 26? 26. Okay. Cause that's a beautiful moment that you shared how, you know, your son changed your life in there. And I'm curious, like in that 23 mark, when you were gaining a sense of yourself and realizing that this, this is wrong and, you know, this isn't normal in a situation that I should be in what was going through your head or just like what were those red flags maybe that really stuck out to you at that point and you said like no I I need to start doing things a little bit different like before your kid yeah I um I was working for a company at the time I actually was not even a year in I was onboarding into training into a different skill set. So I was in customer service. I was a frontline agent. And, uh, you know, there's many different sections of the company that you can learn products and services and um, processes and whatnot. So we were getting upskilled into a whole other um, branch of that company. So first I learned wireless. Now I was learning more the TV and internet side of the business. So we were back in training And, um, he was at my apartment and I said, I'm going to work. And I was already feeling like there's no love there. Like I started realizing the difference between what is true love. And as much as I didn't understand, because I never really met someone where I felt that way, what I knew exactly what I knew was that I didn't want that. If that's what love is, then you know what? I'd rather be by myself. Like that that was the conversations I was having with myself. And when you start thinking about like, what is it that I actually love about this person, right? Like, how are they making me feel? And nothing of it was positive. Like there was not even one thing that I could say, I love him because it was always blank or the bad stuff was popping up, right? So it's like, that's not how love is. And I'll be honest, if it wasn't for the fact that I had a really strong family behind me, I probably wouldn't have been able to have those conversations with myself because I wouldn't have known 
the values, the principles that my family taught me growing up. So I was very blessed to at least have that side of positivity in my life because it really enabled me to start looking at, well, my parents don't hit me, right? My friends don't hit me. My, my, nobody forces me to have sex when I don't want to. Like, no, instead, they, they want to see me succeed. They do things that they know make me happy, right? So I was able to make that connection, even though I didn't know exactly what a true loving relationship looked like. I could at least look up to the relationship my parents had, and I never, ever saw my parents yell at each other or, you know, call each other names or let alone be disrespectful to one another. They disagreed. Who doesn't? But it was not toxic. So from a red flag standpoint, I'll be honest, like, I still stick to this today. Um, You're not someone's property right? Like nobody, pardon my French, fucking owns you. You own yourself, you own your life, you own your choices. And at the end of the day, you're the only one who can make a change in your life and make it happen. And you're definitely not somebody's punching bag, right? It's not you, it's them. Like the moment you're starting to have the conversation, well, maybe I shouldn't have talked to this guy, or maybe I should have wear a turtleneck, or maybe I shouldn't have done my hair and put makeup on because then it's attracting the other guys to talk to me and it's pissing him off, right? Maybe I should have just said yes and not be difficult because I'm being difficult because he wants to have sex, but I don't. The moment you start having those conversations, like stop, right? It's not you it's him or it's her. Like this happens to the other way around, right? It's not just women that go through through the cycle of domestic violence. Um, and here's what I think people should think about instead. Like you, you are someone who deserves greatness. What greatness looks like for you, for me, like, yes, we'll look different, but greatness feels good right? Sometimes, sure, you have up and downs, but for the most part, your happiness radar is more in the green than it is all the way in the red zone, right? So you really deserve to put that effort in crafting what you want. And even like, I'll speak to teenagers, because that's that's when that roller coaster started for me. Um, and even parents, because my parents tried and it didn't work. And my mom always says, like, I, I don't know what I could have done differently. And I said, you did the best that you could with what you had at the time. Um, but that made me think about, because I have a seven-year-old daughter, right? So how, if this happens, can I at least try my best to help her realize before it's too late that this is not good? This is not what will make you feel good. And, and, and you deserve better than that. And I crafted um, a few questions, if it's okay, I'll share them. And, and, you know, if it helps anybody, even just reflect, because I think that's the one piece in humanity that we often don't do is actually take the time to reflect. We're on autopilot all the time. We're just living right? And our emotions come up, we act, we react. And it's like, 
yeah, sure. Sometimes it may work out, but I think more, most often than not, without truly reflecting on what's going on, we tend to just do versus really craft what's going to be in our best interest. So imagine love in your relationship. And this can even be a friendship. It doesn't even have to be, you know, a boyfriend, girlfriend, marriage situation. It can be any relationship. But imagine in your relationship, and I use this metaphor because today uh, today's kids are definitely into video games. <laughs> but imagine that your relationship is like your favorite video game or let's say a cool movie, whatever it is that you're passionate about. For me, as an example, it was dancing and hanging out with my friends. Now, if you could design this, right, you could design and craft that life or that relationship with someone, what would it look like? What is that ideal visual? What would be happening around you? How would you want to feel? How would you want this experience to make you feel? Is it happy? Is it safe? Is it respected? Or is it scared, anxious, and straight up depressed, right? And now think about the relationship. If you're in one right now, how is it? right? How is that relationship right now? Is the relationship the same way as the perfect game or the cool movie that you visualized? Or is it the opposite, right? Are you feeling happy? Are you feeling safe and respected? Or are you feeling scared, anxious, depressed, ready to just end it all, right? And basically, if things are not the way that you wanted them to be, then it's pretty much like a faulty controller or a movie that constantly buffers, right? And now you got to think about what do you need to do to fix it? Not fix him, not fix her, fix it, you, the situation, because you don't have to be there. Is it hard? Yeah. Will you potentially make a decision that's still going to make you feel horrible because really you want to be there. But the only reason you want to be there is because you want that person to be that vision and they're not, they're not that vision. They're not that person. So you're living with the idea of someone being something that they're not right. And you can't change somebody like you, you just can't. So I, I think Hopefully this would help people just think through the different things that, you know, will stand out to them, but also think about what is not within their accountability wheel and what is, and what are you willing to do about it to change it, right? Because even as, as parents, you can do everything. You can lock your kids in a room. Trust me, if they want to go see that person, they're going to go see that person. Right. So I think using these questions, I'm definitely going to try it when my daughter gets to that age, just to proactively get her ahead of what do you want in this area? What does it look like? And then kind of get her to prepare for that. Even if it's going to change, that's okay. But at least you have something, you have a canvas to look at. Yeah. Yeah. I love that because. Well, first off, I am a big fan of journaling and that self-reflection. So that is totally up my alley. And, you know, creating, it's so simple, creating that ideal vision 
And then where are you at right now? What's your current circumstances? And if it's not matching up, then something needs to change. And I love that you said taking accountability and not trying to change the other person, but starting inside, changing yourself. And maybe that means removing yourself from that situation. It's not so much, you know, you have to change everything to appease them. That's not what we're talking about. It's you making that hard decision to step out and find someone else that better fits that vision of what you want and not trying to compromise for someone else's vision of how they want you to be. That is so important. And I want to like switch gears a little bit to talk about mindset and where you're at now. But I, I have to ask just because we're going so deep and your story is so powerful How do you safely get out of that toxic situation where someone is literally stalking you when you don't even know how they're finding you? What just like in the quickest way that you can, like, how can someone safely get out of that without harming themselves, harming others? What's the way to go through that? Because I I have no idea. I'll be honest. I don't think there's a one step process that can even guarantee a hundred percent safety. Once you are in that predicament and especially as deep as I was in, you, you, you can't guarantee a hundred percent safety because you can never predict what the other person will do. What I have done is it starts with you. It has to, if, if you're not, remotely strong and you're showing that weakness a predator is a predator they're going to prey on that right so for me it was internal conversations it was really about stop overthinking everything are you happy no is this the person for you hell no is he going to maybe do something else. Yeah, that's a possibility. I did call the cops, right? The, the 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 system was involved, but realistically there's there's gaps in the system too. Right? So you can put a restraining order on someone all you want. If that someone doesn't follow the restraining order and he keeps being put out on the street, what else are you supposed to do, right? So for me it was one stand my ground. I did involve the cops. It did help, but was it a full 100% reassurance? No, it wasn't because he wasn't listening. He didn't give a crap. And two is start surrounding yourself by people who will help you, people who will protect you, right? And that's probably one of the biggest reasons when I started seeing my son's father that I started seeing a different side of a relationship. Now, I'm not saying go jump into in a relationship right away, but also don't stop yourself by thinking that they're all like him because they're not, right? So I think the quickest way that you can partially recover because it doesn't happen overnight, right? Still to this day, I'm still, you know, navigating some challenges, but the faster you can equip yourself with people that will support you and back you up, the better. And you you can't stay stuck in fear. 
right? Yes, there is a chance that you're going to go somewhere and he's going to be there. So don't be alone, right? Like don't be in dark alleys in the middle of the night, like really surround yourself with people, even if you don't know them, you're in public places, like, don't be alone, like, take even a few years, you know, because I thought, oh, two years, he's not going to bother me and boop, at a bar. So just, I guess, don't ever tune it off completely. I know some people may say, well, then you're always stuck in that rut. No, I think it's it's making sure that you're wise about what could potentially happen without letting it drown you. Um, yeah. And take self-defense classes. No harm in doing that. I bet you today, if you showed up at my door, it would be a different, different reaction on my part. I'm not promoting violence, but you do need to learn how to defend yourself. So I think that could be another piece that would be very useful because again, not everything is a hundred percent guarantee. And I'm not trying to scare people, but it is the reality. It truly is right. There's no yeah, this is exactly how this is going to turn out. There's none of that. And every situation is different. Some people, it could even be worse than what I experienced. And that approach may not work. So I think you really need to start with knowing what you want and then find those people who can help you go get self-defense classes, right? Learn how to defend yourself and use what you have at your disposal. I know people get discouraged with calling the cops sometimes, but it's not them. It's sometimes just the way the system is built. It's broken, but keep on pushing because the more we push, the more we identify, hey, this is not protecting people. This law is actually doing the opposite, right? So the more we keep on pushing that piece, the more it raises that awareness and hopefully we'll change what isn't in the favor of victims. Yeah. Those... I don't know if that helps, but I think it's 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 the best advice I can give when it comes to how can you protect yourself? And and those are very much within anybody's control. Yeah, no, seriously, those were great, great tips. And I'm glad that we're opening up and spreading this awareness because it's just, that's probably something that gets talked about frequently, but I don't hear these conversation as, as much. And so the more that we can, you know, share it, because I'm sure that with COVID and just everything, the world has gotten a little bit more crazier, that domestic violence and abuse probably spiked a little bit. So it did. Yeah. anyone is in those situations, like this is the conversation that can really help you identify that you're in that situation and then transition out of it. And yeah. that's what, that's like what I want to do with this call today. If I can have one goal for it is to help someone in that situation and, you know, help them get out and create the life that they want and that they deserve to have, because yeah. we all deserve something better than being stuck in a situation like that. A hundred percent. I think prevention is key here, right? Yeah. It's, it can start early. Right. I, um, I actually, looked at some stats recently and in Canada only just because that's where I'm at, but I'm, I'm sure that's available across, you know, the world, but 43% of dating traumas are between the ages of 15 and 24, 43%. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, 29% of that are young girls, um, grade seven, all the way to grade 11. 
and 13% are young boys. So I even think education-wise, there should be programs as early as at least middle school to truly talk about this reality, right? Because numbers don't lie. So these things are are happening. And especially now with social media, there's even more accessibility, more, you know, back then I didn't have cell phones. Like the guy would just pop up wherever and, and, or call a landline. But, you know, even without all that accessibility from a technology perspective, he was still, you know, motivated and determined to, to, to do what he wanted to do. So imagine nowadays how it's even easier right to 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 access people like you can creep people on facebook you can like do you know what i mean like so i i think there's there's definitely an opportunity when it comes to the educational system on integrating some type of you know what's a healthy relationship what is not a healthy relationship and what do you do when you're in a situation where you're starting to see those red flags, right? Because it's not happening in every home. Unfortunately, you know, you can have great parents. My parents were awesome, but they never lived anything like that. So they didn't know where to remotely start or even what to look for. And I'm sure there's, you know, many parents like that, that never think, well, this is going to happen to my kid, right? Like, so there's there's even more room for improvement, to be honest, as a society, and it should start early, not late. Yeah, right? because exposure with just social media, the more violence, porn even, like it's so accessible for these middle schoolers, even like sixth grade and going up to just see all of this and become aware of it at a much earlier age than you should and then you become influenced by that. You start acting on it. And yeah. that's where things get bad. So yeah, when I was you get curious second, about sex, you watch porn and, and somehow you land on something that's totally out of whack and you think that's how it should be. Yeah. Right. So it's um, yeah, there's a lot, a lot of education that is missing that I think should definitely be a priority and at the forefront. Because if you rely solely on households and families, I mean, a lot of that is broken too, right? So I think the only sustainable, consistent place where the probabilities are at least higher, that the awareness will be better socialized, it's in school. It it totally is in school. So yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's transitioning now because I want to get to the good stuff and the positivity. Um, yes. That was really important though. So building that like sense of self and getting that positive mindset that you obviously have today, how did those early steps look like for you to just, you know, become aware of this new world and, you know, that you can be positive and that things can be different? Where did that shift kind of happen and what did you do in those early stages? Yeah, I I like to use um, the five self-care. They're science-based. We know these are the key to self-care and, and the strategies that we need to follow, but oftentimes we don't because, again, we're an autopilot and we prioritize everything but ourselves. So 
the five things for me are one gratitude, right? If you wake up every day, and even if you pick one thing that you're grateful for, and I sometimes try to even challenge myself with, what is it that I didn't like yesterday that really pissed me off, but that this morning I'm going to think about, but what can I be grateful about, right? Instead of being stuck in this mindset of, oh, my teenager pissed me off, he knew better or something like that, right? But there's always a pro and a con to everything, everything, right? It's a matter of finding it. It's a matter of really acknowledging it. And you probably won't do that unless you truly train yourself to just do it. You have to embrace putting that in your routine, whether it's a reminder on your cell phone, whether it's a note on your fridge, whatever works for you. For me, it's writing down. It's either my notepad on my phone. If I don't have, I'm old school, so I'm definitely, you. yeah, you can see. (laughs) But at least it's my backup plan is I have my cell phone. So in calendar, right, it takes two seconds to go 5 a.m. reminder gratitude. And then it's like, okay, it pops up. So that's number one is if you start your day with that, then you're you're setting yourself to be on a positive step forward already. Um, The second one is movement, right? We all know that working out, exercising is the golden piece of also having a healthy mindset, right? So, and listen, it doesn't have to be like I'm running a a 5K marathon here. Like I invested in, I didn't like going to the gym. I don't feel comfortable. I get paranoid. Like I turn around and see a guy looking at me and it's a total judgment, but it's still how it makes me feel. It's not that person's fault, but I just, you know, with the stalking experience, I think there's a connection there and I don't want to put someone else is doing on other people. So it's like, you know what, I'm going to pull myself out of that environment. It's not that guy's fault. He was probably looking somewhere else. And and I'm just, you know, paranoid because of my past experience. So working out at home, right? I have a bike, I do hit, I do strength training, I walk my dogs every single day, at least 30 minutes. If I can't do 30, I can do 15. Then it's a quick 15 hit class. And it just, it builds that resilience muscle, right? Because working out is hard. Like it is hard, right? Like you start getting out of breath and you're like, you just want to walk out. That's it. I'm done. But when you keep pushing and no, another five minutes, I set my plan that I'm going to do 30 minutes and I'm going to see through that I'm doing that freaking 30 minutes, right? So it helps build that mental muscle as well. And oftentimes people don't realize that because you, I'm sure you know, like when you haven't worked out in a while or at all, the first month of starting is like your mind tells you to quit every time you you don't, you, you start, right? So you really have to just say, no, I'm doing it. So have a plan, write down what you're going to do that day or for that week whatever works for you and see it through. Now, I'm not saying have a heart attack. If you can't breathe, take a breather, right? Like I've set out to do, you know, four, four reps of X and midway through, I'm like, okay, I'm really out of breath. I'm going to faint. Well, I'm not going to keep going. I'm going to stop for maybe a minute or two, catch my breath. And then I'm going to finish. That's okay too. It doesn't have to be all in one swoop, right? Um, Community. 
surround yourself with good community that fuels you, that you also fuel them, right? It's like, if you go eat at a restaurant and you don't like the food, you're not going to want to eat it. It's kind of the same thing, right? Like if you have a crowd in front of you that's making you like sick to your stomach, well, maybe maybe this is not for you. Doesn't mean you have to fight and you have to have this, you know, negative toxic dynamic, but you can still be friends from a distance and then you pivot towards a community that really fuels you the right energy and the right state of mind, right? So when you feel like quitting, these people are not the ones that, yeah, you might as well quit because, you know, it sucks. They're going to be the people that are like, no, no, screw that. You came this far and you're going to give up now. Like, uh, 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 uh. you can take a one day break, but I want to see you the next day getting your shit back on track, right? That's the people you want to have around you. And then sleep and meaning, right? We got to sleep. Like, come on. Like, I did it too, right? Oh, I'm just going to sleep for four hours and I'm going to work, 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 work. Like next thing you know, you wonder why you can't focus. You can't think you can't show up in a way that's truly rewarding and, and peaceful and making you and people around you happy, right? Sleep is important and also meaning what's your purpose. What's meaningful to you? Why do you wake up every day? Right. And if you haven't figured that out yet, I think that's your number one. Because your purpose, and I'm sure you know that too, once you have that purpose, you have something to look forward to. You may not know everything in between, but at least you know where you're going and then you just figure out how to get there. So that's my kind of like five self-care, you know, actions that ensures I'm moving forward at a good pace. Yeah. And I love the purpose too, because that gives you a direction and something to move towards each day. And when we wake up without that, we're just looking for ways to fill the day and just kind of waste it in a sense where we're not really doing much. So when we have that purpose, we can do some task or just create this little checklist that we make progress towards getting to that higher goal. And then yeah. that gives us fulfillment and meaning in our own lives, like you mentioned as well. So that drives yeah. us and that makes us feel good to know that we're doing something impactful and that we're making that progress each day. It's like when you check off that list, it's like a dopamine hit almost. So yep. you feel like you're on <laughs> fire in a sense. So I like that part. And mix it too, to finish your question, because I forgot to add, mix it. If you're an emotional person, right? Like I... I can have all sets of emotions that come out and I know that they need to come out, but I also know that I can't allow it to kind of stick around for too long because it's not healthy. Right. So, um, 90 second rule is basically a term that was shared by Dr. Bill Taylor, and she's a Harvard neuroscientist um, that basically specializes in the uh, anatomy of the brain. And she states that basically, when we react to something in our environment, like an emotional moment is triggered, there's apparently a 90 second um, chemical process that occurs in our body. So pretty much in the first 90 seconds, let's say you're really ticked off in the first 90 seconds, you pretty much 
can't control that emotion, not the behavior, that emotion from existing in your body. But after that 90 second, anything remaining in that emotional response is apparently simply the person to choose is choosing to stay in that loop. So I started practicing. I'm like, that's not, there's no way. Because like, I've had feelings for freaking weeks on end that I'm like pissed off about something. And I'm like, there's no way, there's no way I know this. But even unconsciously, we do, right? So when I started testing this, and again, it's purposeful, right? You have to be focused that okay, I'm pissed off right now, put my timer on my cell phone. And then I breathe, depending on the circumstances, maybe I'll go for a walk, I'll, I'll just change my environment, because we know when we change our environment, that's when we also change something in ourselves. And at first, it was three, five, maybe even 10 minutes. And now, for the most part, I can stick to that 90 seconds. So imagine in organizations, right, in businesses, with all the people in a company, how emotions are all over the place. And most companies will say, leave your emotions at the door. And anyway, that's for a whole other conversation. But imagine if they could start using that, right? Purposely use that. You were on a call with a customer and they were shitty. They insulted you and they were just not a nice person. Well, maybe you'll take 15 of those calls in a day, right? Well, imagine if you proactively use that tool and maybe it will be five minutes at the beginning, even if it's a half hour, to your point, put it as a check mark, right? And then in three weeks from now, I guarantee you, if you do the work, you have to do the work. There's no wand that's going to come and make the magic happen. But if you purposely do the work in three weeks from now, even if it's not going to be in a week, you're going to see that 30 minutes come down to 25 to 20. And next thing you know, you're managing your own emotions in a way that can help you just move on in a matter of seconds. Like imagine if everybody in the world could do that, right? It wouldn't be a shit show. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. I love that. And it brings me back honestly to uh, drives with my mom in high school and, you know, things in home life weren't so good with my dad being an alcoholic and, we would just always fight in the car and have these arguments. And like, literally, that's what I remember going to school and just arguing with my mom there. So that's not something I'm proud of, obviously. But after school, I would like linger with it. Like, I wouldn't leave my emotions at the door, but she would. And it was always like, even if it was like 10 minutes later, we would have an argument, she would act like it never happened. And that would like annoy me even more because I'm like, you're just going to act like what we talked about didn't happen. But that was actually a great way to do it and not continue that argument. Like, yeah, I'm still continuing it, but she left it at the door. And then I wasn't like engaging with her as much and like continuing that because she wasn't pursuing it either. So that is such a great tip that will help your relationships as well to, you know, leave that 90 second rule, know that it's your emotions that are getting stirred up, but your behavior, like you mentioned, you have 100% control of that. So 
you can choose to get out in that new environment. You can choose to just pause and breathe, close your eyes, whatever you do to reset. But that is such a great tool to not let one bad moment turn into a bad hour, turn into a bad day, a bad week. Decade. It's yeah, exactly. Like it can have this ripple effect. And when you just put this small but powerful practice into place, it can literally transform your life and your relationship. So, so glad yes. that you mentioned that. <laughs> it does. And, uh, you know, even, even with kids, yeah. right? Like they don't necessarily have yet developed that ability exactly. to even know, right? So sharing that with my kids like I have a seven-year-old girl that comes home from school and talks to me about, you know, disagreements and situations with her friends. And instead of being, and I used to be that mom, but I changed because I realized that even though it comes from a good place, if it's not landing the right results, then I'm, I'm not doing it right. And oftentimes what you need to do is what makes you uncomfortable, but you got to think what's best for them. And if this is what's best for them, then I'm just I'm going to be uncomfortable and do it. And she doesn't even want me involved in like calling teachers or nothing. Like she knows I'm there. Right. And, and that's number one. When you start feeling overwhelmed or there's kids that are like, you know, literally mistreating you, you need to tell me because I want to help. Right. But I also want you to feel empowered that you're able to make those decisions early on, that if you want to keep this friend, then you know why you want to keep this friend. And if you don't want to keep them, that's just as okay, right? But even at the age of seven, she can use these tools and it's helping her comprehend different aspects of her life that I'm like, holy crap, like seven. And she's already telling me like, butt out, I got this. But she's also coming to me when she needs help. So being able to see both sides, right? She's learning to self-resolve conflicts and all that. But she also knows when she's becoming overwhelmed and she asks for my help, like how better can it be than that? Yeah. Right. And those, if imagine if those tools were there when we were younger, how exactly. it would have helped our parents, how it would have helped us navigate, you know, um, certain realities, make better choices. But listen, we evolve as humans and we weren't dealt with those cards back then. We still overcame it. But I think with those tools, you can now overcome it so much faster and so much more in a productive way. Um, that's why I'm a huge fan of the whole reinvention movement method and community. Cause that's truly what it's about. Yeah. I mean, I just love that you're raising. Well, first off, you turned all of those experiences and all of those lessons that you learned. And now you're applying them to your seven-year-old daughter and she's going to turn out to be a wise woman. I can already tell. <laughs> so that <laughs> oh, is she's getting self-defense classes already, like boxing, like you name it. Like she fights her brothers. Like she literally is not going to be someone who takes any crap from everybody, anybody, to be honest. No. So and, and don't think these tools is perfection, right? Like for anyone who's like, yeah, okay, like, you know, she she talks a game of it's not always perfect. Sometimes I forget. 
but I catch myself on them. Like, again, it's, it's trying to do the best that you can, right? There is moments where, oh shit, I've been bitching for 30 minutes now. And my husband will be like, where's your freaking 90 second rule? <laughs> and then it's like, yeah, you're right. So it's not perfect, but at least you have something to fall back on, I think is, is key. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. And now I want to run through those five guiding reinvention principles that you have. Um, great for you. You tell us what that's great for. How about that? Yes. <laughs> so those are mainly the five principles that we, um, that we learn as part of the reinvention Academy. So as someone who's been living transformation since I even knew the term existed, um, after my 20 year corporate career, I took about six months off and I needed to discover what's next, what's 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 on my journey, what's my next chapter. And um, so I started researching, talking to people and someone, you know, through a conversation was like, you know, I really think like you should look into this like reinvention global uh, alliance for professionals, like just hearing your story. Uh, they were involved in that community and they're like, I think you may find something there. Um, so I'm like, okay, cool. No harm in checking. And it was like home, right? Like I was just, I hadn't even talked to anybody, uh, not even the founder who's Dr. Nadia Zeksambayeva. I was like, I have no idea what this is, but what I'm reading, the videos I'm seeing really speaks to me. Um, so I reached out to Nadia. I reached out to many people in the community. I started with their breakthrough um reinvention um, modules. So it's four modules, you can do them upon your own schedule. Um, but it's basically to teach the fundamentals of reinvention. And what I like about it is it's that mentality of there's no cookie cutter solution here, you either do the work or shit's going to fall apart, right? Bottom line, you don't build a six pack by watching other people work out on YouTube and do planks and sit ups, right? You don't look at recipes that would be healthier for you, but then you don't do them and eat them like you have to do the work if you want to get the results that you want. So hearing that was like, oh my gosh, like that is totally it speaks to me. Um, from a business standpoint, and reinvention works for both, just in case people think like this is just personal, it is not, it is for anything, it can be for your community, it can be for, you know, your relationship in your family, it can be for growing and developing your business as a consultant, as a coach, like it fits anything. And it's basically intended, because of today's fast pace and unpredictable world, it's essential for us as humans, but also organizations to be agile and adaptable, right? The days of, oh, we'll have 10 years to change things or, you know, transform our products or services, like that is gone. Like studies show that nowadays it's three years or even less, depending on the industry that you're in. Like that's pretty significant. Yeah. So it really, the five principles focus on being practical, meaning that when we want or need to change something, 
we basically should make sure that our approach is practical to create something better, right? Like think about how we overcomplicate things. Like Mm -hmm. I think of companies or, or even clients I have that like, you know, 60 steps in a process, like where are you going? And then you wonder why, people are confused and 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 you're not hitting your KPIs and your metrics. Well, no wonder, like everything is complex, right? So be practical, right? Stick to basics, just do what needs to be done. Like, it's not about the impress show, it's about being involved, right? So just be involved. <laughs> Systematic is basically, um, you know, telling us that we should use a more structured and organized approach and basically that helps us deal with challenging situations so you don't want rigid because then you're going to be stuck in a predicament where something changes and your structure cannot accommodate that change so you have to find a a, a middle ground where you're able to actually have a good process in place, have a good system in place, but that it's also flexible to change and pivot at any point in time. Um, And just also the whole move away from polarization and focus on unity, right? Like there's so much silos in society, in business, like everywhere's, right? Everybody's focused on their little bubble, but Yes, we need specialties in in all these different areas and functions, but we also need to be able to relate to the unknown. And we won't do that unless we collaborate with everybody else who surrounds us. Sustainability basically means that we should find a balance between what's old and what's new so we can keep growing, we can keep evolving But we also make sure that we're not losing what we're truly good at, right? Because sometimes we do that. Um, Immune, well, it's like an immune system, right? It basically teaches us that by creating a strong system that protects us from danger and harm will also help us stay healthy. So think of that almost like your immune system, the steps that you take to make sure that you're as healthy as you can be. And then the renewing principle is basically about reflection and focusing on things that will also improve what we're doing. So basically let go of what no longer serves you, but also make sure you're not forgetting to think ahead so you're successful in the future, right? Right. We see that in business often, right? We're going to manage change, 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 firefighting mode, right? We're good today, but we're going to suck tomorrow. So you still have, it's unfortunate, but it's true. You have to manage both, right? You have to manage change, but all your also your continuity plan. So that's mm-hmm. basically what the five principles are all about. And quite frankly, I use them in personal settings, business settings. Like I think you can find ways to massage the verbiage to fit the circumstances at hand, because I don't think it's just oh, this fits for this scenario and industry or situation or community. Like, I think they're very flexible to kind of fit any type of circumstances. So yeah, that's what I like. I don't know if that helps answer the question, but it's, uh, it's basically what, what I, they're my guiding principles all across. 
Yeah, no, it's a, a great answer and a great concept. And I just love how it can go with your personal and your professional. And even with like corporate teams or small businesses, you guys can use all five of these principles and get better results and change and transform your business. And just by putting, you only need five, you don't need 60. That's the cool thing about it is like, make it simple and effective. And that's where you're going to get those results. So I'm, uh, I think we're just more focused on impressing and that's where we start losing sight of what's truly and fundamentally important, right? Because marketing, everybody's like, oh, it's all about selling yourself. It's all about how you look to the world. And I'm not going to dismiss that that piece is not important. But what's more important is how involved you are, right? Because when you try, when you focus on impressing people, you're not involved, right? You're totally in a different mind space. And although your intentions might be in a good place or coming from a good place, it's still not, again, landing the impact or at least the best version of the impact you're trying to land. So when you start pivoting that mindset from being involved, I believe that the impress part follows, right? Because people will be impressed with you being involved, right? Because you're not fake. You're not putting on a show. You're really like involved in everything that's happening around you you're doing stuff you're you're showing action not just words so yeah focus on the product focus on delivering that customer experience get involved and that's where that impression will come as a result of that just by doing the work like you continue to say love that about you and just putting your head down and doing it because We're not going to get the results if we don't do the work, just wishful thinking manifestation that's very popular nowadays, but Mm. you can't forget the most important ingredient, which is having that purpose and then following through and executing. If you don't do that, you're not going to get to where you want to (laughs) go. No, at least not until you change your mindset, right? Right. So you'll, you'll get the short-term wins, right? And I'm not saying that you're not going to see any wins out of it but usually you're breaking something down the road that is much harder to recover from. So. So I got one last question before we wrap things up. This has been awesome so far. Yes. Um, (laughs) So what I got for you is what was your biggest lesson learned from your experiences, whether that's personal or professional, when you kind of look back and connect the dots of your journey? Hmm. The biggest, I think for me, and I'm not saying that's exactly what it's going to look like for everybody, but when I reflect back and that's going back to when I was 12 and to be completely honest, there's still moments where I'm just relaxing at night and I learn more like ideas pop up in my head or moments. And I'm like, Oh, I'm starting to connect the dots. But for the most part, It's truly, (laughs) I say that I'm a recovered people pleaser, but it's, it's literally that, right? Like it's truly important to focus on, yes, it's okay to have a big heart. It's okay to want to help people, but at the same time, you need to make sure that you're not sacrificing your own happiness in the long run. 
right? So really, yes, finding your purpose and all that, don't get me wrong, is absolutely crucial. I think that's the number one foundation that everybody should start thinking about is why am I here? Why was I put on this earth, right? But that can change as you mature and you grow and and, and circumstances around you um, show up differently. But knowing your negotiables and non-negotiables, usually that probably won't change at its core. So that would be my my number one lesson learned is don't be too focused on just pleasing other people. Make sure that you start with you. And then I think that energy will just naturally feed other people as well versus other people. They're miserable. They need me, need me. No, you need you. Yeah. <laughs> right. So that that's where it starts. You need you. You need to feed you. And you need to make you happy. And that energy is just going to naturally translate into the other people, but also the right people, right? You don't, you can lead a horse to water. You can't force it to drink. So if you're in a, you know, predicament where you have people that surround you and it's like, you're constantly feeling like you're bringing the horse to water and it's not drinking more than likely you, you probably need to start evaluating, you know, is this the right person? for me? Am I the right person for them? Right? Because there's also that that mutual um, reflection that needs to happen. And I even do a little audit. I'll before we close share my last mighty tool. Um, and I call it, there is no how without a who, right? So here's what it is. The exercise is totally about focusing on the impact that people are having in your life. And this can totally, I do this in corporations as well, right? Like when you're ready to do a transformation, when you're on your way to launch an initiative, you need to do a serious audit with your inner circle. And it's not fun, but listen, there's no other way. We can't sugarcoat this because there's people that exist in our circle that unfortunately are just bad for those crucial transformation, right? They just, they are. So list seven people that you're basically around on a daily basis, seven people, and assess their influence and impact level for each and one of them. So think about S for supportive, then N for neutral, and then T for toxic, right? So then you categorize them. Oh, these people are supportive. Think about the why, just so you're you're truly grounded with your, your, your thought process and you're not going solely based on emotions because sometimes that can cloud your judgment a little bit. And then neutral, like, oh, you know, they're there, but they don't really do anything really to kind of yay or nay, <laughs> what's going on and then toxic well it speaks for itself and then from there you basically decide on an action plan right like to improve the situation and that might mean that you're working more with that person maybe it's just you haven't worked as much with that person you haven't developed as as much of a trusted relationship Maybe it's doing more joint projects. Maybe it's spending more time together. Maybe it's having a difficult conversation. And listen, worst case scenario, maybe you need to limit the contact, right? But I think you need to start seeing first 
the where and the why. And then you can look at, okay, well, what can I do to repair that relationship? And then you have that conversation. Because I think worst case scenario usually is where we default to. And we don't necessarily always think about, well, maybe there's something more we can do to build that connection and build that more positive relationship, right? Because the moment it's awkward, a lot of people just avoid. So, yeah, works for me. So hopefully it'll work for somebody else. It's a good way to think about things in a rational way versus just, oh, that person's annoying me. I don't want them on their team. I'm going to go talk to HR and just, you know, like sometimes you just, especially as leaders, you need to be better than that right? You need to give your team much more benefit of the doubt than just how you're feeling inside. Yeah. I talk about giving myself grace, give others some grace as well. Like, yes, that's pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it definitely is. Feelings are feelings. I tell you sometimes, you know, yes, they, 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 they have to come out. We can't suppress them, but with the 92nd rule, we can be a bit more hands-on and productive with them and when it comes to people around us like we don't have to procrastinate for years on end do this simple exercise maybe it'll take you a week because maybe you do part one and you're like "Ugh, I can't think rationally right now maybe you want to involve other people right like there's many different ways you can run this initiative but it definitely helps I think with making better decision versus just feelings-based decisions yeah Great final tip to share with us. I love it. <laughs> Gotta get some, you know, freebies in the end too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So now, I mean, how can we support you before we uh, kick things off here? Like, I know you got these uh, brains magazine, brain with the Z uh, magazines yep. that uh, you're featuring in right now. Um, tell us like about that and just like anything else that you're excited about going forward so we can support you. Yeah, like Brains Magazine was was an awesome or is an awesome experience because I get to craft articles based on my rawness, my authentic self, and basically my lessons learned, but also my observations and my thoughts around ways that we as a society can move forward from hurdles, right? Like we see a lot of finger pointing in today's world. Like example, my recent article about shattering toxic workplaces, two wrongs don't make a right. That article was really intended to raise the flag around, yes, leadership has accountability to their employees. Like, yes, they need to lead by example. But employees have as much accountability to that partnership as leaders do, right? Like I think sometimes we zoom into here's one problem and we focus so much on that one problem that we totally miss the other elements that are also feeding into that machine, right? So um, Gary V, I'm a huge fan of this man's style and work. And when I listened to one of his videos where he said, we need to be more about the and not the or, right? Like, or is very ultimatum based, right? Nobody likes ultimatums. I mean, yes, there might be circumstances in your life, like if you're in a toxic relationship where you may need to give ultimatums, but alternatives, especially in a professional setting, um, 
will land you much better results and people will feel good about choices, right? So for me, Brains Magazine is just a way to communicate some of these solutions to solve problems, right? So what I would need more is I love to hear from people. There's a lot of studies out there, Gallup and, and BCG and Deloitte, like, and these studies are phenomenal. Don't get me wrong, like, especially Gallup's recent release around, you know, the global workplace and how 77% of employees in the workplace are quiet or allowed quitting. 18% are actually literally and purposely sabotaging their work environment. Like, what in the world is going on? Like, this is not a daycare. We are adults. Like, why? Like, what is going on? So for me, I think I would love to hear more beyond those numbers, right? Because those um, initiatives are great to get insights, but they come from a small number. Like, there's so many more people that haven't participated in those research and studies that I would love to hear from, because there's probably some nuggets there that are not seen in those studies, right? So I I would invite, honestly, anyone who, you know, looks at those studies and researches and are like, I don't see myself in that, or my reality is completely different like, I would love to hear more of that. Like, I'm still trying to figure out a way without like it coming across like I'm spamming people, but like people in customer service, like leaders, like everybody across an organization. Like, I really don't care what your title is. I just want to know what's your experience? What's your perspective? What's working? What's not working? And if you had the power to wave the magic wand and change it, what would it look like? Right? So anyone who wants to feed uh, that type of insight, like, I would love to kind of dig in into that reality. Because I think there's a lot of that that's left out when we look at those formal studies. Yeah, so... If anyone's out there in that type of position, <laughs> send uh, Isabel your feedback and uh, no judgment, no, yeah, judgment. no judgment. And and the intent in case someone is like, well, is she like stalking? What does she want? Why does she want more information? It's because I think we're at a time, a different era, right? Like we are truly, we have entered a different era. And I think that a lot of the traditional conventional ways are slowly disappearing, um, but they're still here. That's kind of the fight we're seeing right now, right? Some people are having a hard time letting go of that. Other people are pushing their way through the next generation, trying to shove you know, their reality into someone else's throat. And that's why we're seeing so much um, animosity. So I, I think the more rawness we can hear, the more we can start thinking about creative ways to solve for it, right? So that's, that's my main purpose and goal as to why I want to hear more. It's to truly know like, what is really happening around there? I don't want it to be sugarcoated. Say it like it is because you can't solve something if it's sugarcoated. You just, you don't. So 
Yeah. I'll drop your uh, LinkedIn in the, the show notes so uh, people can get Please in touch do. with you. Yeah. Awesome. And so, if you hear stuff too, feel free to fire it off. And I mean, what's yeah. the worst that's going to happen, right? Like you I sent guess. it, I see it. Maybe two years from now, it'll be like, oh, I remember Dan sent that. And it's relevant to now today's reality, right? So I don't think any feedback ever goes unnoticed. I think time and place is also super important. Yeah. Data doesn't lie. <laughs> no, no, but it misses the emotional component, true, which true. is another piece sometimes. That's we why we need forget. this feedback, this human <laughs> feedback and emotional this human feedback. machine. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Isabel, thank you so much for taking time to be here with me today and being vulnerable to share your story. I love your energy and your positivity, even in the face of adversity. You are a beacon of hope for those going through tough times and the world is a better place because of your light. Thank you for sharing your story with us today. Thank you, Dan. And thank you for anyone who's who's listening. It's uh, it's not always easy to be vulnerable, but when you are, trust me, that uncomfortable eventually becomes just your day to day. Right. And it can help other people like that's mainly the goal. Right. Like anyone who you think is going to judge you, like screw them. Right. Because there's 10,000 other people who are going to appreciate what you share and it's actually going to make a difference in their lives. So focus on those people instead of the other ones. <laughs> Are you ready to take charge of your health and transform your life? Well, get ready because we have the solution for you. Introducing the Nova Fusion 21 Day Wellness and Resilience Challenge, the ultimate program designed to stack massive momentum, achieve peak performance, and spark your transformation. In just 21 days, you can experience a total wellness revolution. Our challenge is jam-packed with daily inspiration, education, downloadable resources, and exciting challenges to keep you fired up and on track. But that's not all. When you join the challenge, you'll also become a member of our exclusive Nova Fusion family. Together, we'll support and uplift one another as we continue to grow and thrive. Unlock the secrets of the world's best wellness and resilience practices to stay mentally and physically fit for a lifetime. From renewing healing practices to transformative high-performance techniques, we've got you covered. And here's something that sets us apart. I believe in these practices so much that I'm offering a money-back guarantee. That's right, if you don't see results, you can get your money back so you have absolutely nothing to lose but everything to gain. So what are you waiting for? Take advantage of this limited time opportunity right now. Go to novafusion.co challenge to sign up and embark on the journey of a lifetime. Let's spark your transformation together. I can't wait to see you on the other side. <laughs>